The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A survey of abuse within healthcare settings has unveiled that three out of five doctors have experienced or witnessed abuse at work. Uh, the study was conducted by the Medical Protection Society of Hospital Doctors and GPs and it highlighted an alarming trend including physical and verbal abuse. Uh, one example pretty extreme I suppose a doctor being held at gunpoint by a drug seeking patient. Another one patient throwing a chair at a doctor and instance of spitting as well as physical manhandling. I'm joined on the line by uh, Dr Chris Luke uh, who is a retired consultant in emergency medicine and a columnist with the Irish Medical Times and by the Deputy Medical Director at the Medical Protection Society of Ireland, Dr James Thorpe. Good morning and welcome to you both. Uh, Chris, a long career in A&E. You've come across this kind of thing, not just in the recent past, but probably right through your career. Yes, Pat. I mean, this is a feature of uh, old frontline uh, healthcare settings, I'm afraid, uh, and going all the way back to my early days in 1982, three, four in St. James's and Wexford and Waterford and, 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 and Lachlanstown, where I worked in the A&E departments, you know, there was always the occasional uh, verbal abuse uh, and, and even fisticuffs. I mean, I remember one case of one of my, one of my peers uh, ending up on the floor fighting physically with, with, with the patient uh, around about 1984 or five. But, you know, the, 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 I suppose the problem is now that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, about a year or two ago, the Medical Protection Society conducted a similar survey which suggested that about a third of doctors uh, were experiencing more and more levels of physical and verbal violence in the healthcare context. But, you know, now we've seen as, as much as two thirds uh, of, of doctors experiencing yeah. physical threats and, 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 and verbal abuse. Now, you, we, we understand that this might happen in the context of someone who's uh, out of their head on drugs or alcohol. But uh, another phenomenon seems to be uh, ordinary people just incredibly frustrated at the treatment they're getting in A&E or, you know, being frustrated. They thought they'd be helped and then they're not. And they take it out on the nearest medic. Yeah, and another really important uh, issue, Pat, I think, to remember in considering this problem is that it is global. Uh, if you look at the, the medical press in the UK, in France, in, in the States, in Australia, you'll see that levels of violence and abuse to- directed towards nursing and, and medical staff are, are fairly comparable. Uh, and the, the most recent uh, uh, you know, reports from the UK suggest that as many as 75% of GPs are sustaining or experiencing uh, verbal abuse and threats and, and sometimes physical uh, violence in their surgeries every single day. So there's something going on, uh, which I suppose the, the number of it is that there's a mismatch between people's expectations uh, of the health service uh, and their, their their frustrations and what you know and, and what is actually available, mm. uh, and people are seem unable now to contain their frustration and they're they're letting fly, mm. and and that is a, a huge question because it really reflects a change in society. And the question of respect for professionals at uh, at all levels, um, and the coarsening of society generally. I mean, that must feed into this. 
Yeah, I mean, in incivility, you know, the 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 the, the, the you know, p- people talk about the, the disappearance of deference, but you know, deference also included respect, you know, uh, courtesy, civility towards just to, to other people, towards strangers, towards fellow passengers, towards you know, people walking by uh, outside the the, the, the dole, you know, last week. Uh, so there is a, there has been a, a coarsening and incivility, and a really a growth in 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 the levels of of uh, anger and aggression in society. Mm. Which I suppose is, you know, part and parcel of the atomization of of, of society. Uh, and you've also got you, you mentioned already the popularity of so many intoxicating drugs. You know, there are quite a few drivers, but th- this is a global issue, and it's very, very profound at the level of 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 of, of society. All right. Well, uh, Dr. James Thorpe, deputy medical director at the Medical Protection Society of Ireland. Uh, James, do you have any proposed solutions? It's one thing to report the incidents, the growing incidents of violence and abuse against medical staff, it's another thing to try and fix it. Absolutely, Pat, and it's certainly a, a worrying uh, situation. Um, you know, our survey identified that 86% of the doctors have experienced or witnessed abuse in the past 12 months that it negatively affected their mental health. And, you know, if mental health, if, if healthcare staff need time off work, um, you know, they, that can obviously impact on patient care uh, too. Um, and we have certainly, we're calling on the government, the Gardaí and the HSE to consider every possible step to address this issue and help raise awareness of the importance of treating all healthcare workers respectfully. Um, now, now, how do you do that? I mean, do you have bouncers at every A&E? Uh, because some of the things that you report about uh, people being headbutted or bitten or spat or kicked at or punched, uh, and of course, uh, verbal assaults, which uh, would be more numerous, um, even though they are reporting that maybe two-thirds of doctors uh, have witnessed or experienced that every year, when you look at the total medical year, it doesn't mean that every night in every A&E or every week in every GP surgery you have any of this kind of thing. Absolutely, although sadly it's, it's, it is becoming increasingly uh, common. Uh, I think in terms of what can be done, I think one of the most important things is that healthcare professionals need to feel within their place of work, that their safety is a priority. And they need to be encouraged um, to report all abusive uh, behaviour. Um, we've also called, we're also calling for the HSE to consider ensuring that all healthcare settings have an appropriate forum where those who witness or experience any kind of abuse from patients can talk about it and seek appropriate uh, well-being support. Uh, but it certainly is a, a yeah. challenging issue. Now, uh, th- there is, you know, it's one thing and it's unacceptable to, to uh, hear about the abuse verbal and physical of medical staffs uh, in whatever setting, be it A&E or be it in a GP surgery. But you also have to look uh, at the service that is provided, the manner in which it's provided, and whether a lot of those patient frustrations, and I'm not talking about the druggies or the alcohol uh, fueled people, I'm talking about the ordinary people who lose the head, is there any way in which the system could address those frustrations more effectively and calm things down? Well, I think that there are challenges. Um, as the survey identified, 37% of the doctors surveyed felt that the incidents may have resulted from staff shortages. And 39% said it was due to the referral um, waiting list. So clearly those issues are, are challenging um, to, to deal with. But I think sometimes the frustrations that, that patients are experiencing are part of concern about the, the, the wider uh, system. Um, 
Yeah. No. Uh, all right. Uh, back to you, Chris, uh, because uh, you've soldiered in A&E for so long. Um, you know, I've witnessed myself um, people being neglected in an A&E department all night long. No one going near them, an elderly man who ended up wetting himself on the floor. Nobody went near him the whole night long. Um, I was there with my daughter overnight in a particular A&E. And, you know, all it would have taken is a kind word from somebody or explanations to other people. By the way, you're not going to get your broken leg seen to tonight. Why don't you take a taxi home and come to us in the morning? All of those things uh, could help things, you know, could help matters. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, first of all, apropos, you know, security, we, we, I've seen fights in A&E waiting rooms and GP surgeries, you know, for, for, for decades. So we've had the idea of having police. We had bobbies in the A&E department at the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh in the mid, in the mid eighties. So we, we've tried that and that doesn't really, that's not really conducive to, to the kind of atmosphere you want to, to generate. But you're, you're absolutely right that the, 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 I suppose that the, 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 the crux of the solution lies in trying to um, manage people's expectations and manage people's comfort level so that they're not distressed. So, for example, there, there have got to be information systems where people know exactly how long they're likely to wait. Uh, there, there need to be alternatives to uh, the GP or the A&E department if such exist or they need to be created. So if someone is coming in with a relatively minor injury and the place is already uh, you know, bursting at the seams on a Sunday night, there needs to be some form of, of, of option for, to, to attend a minor unit the following day. And there, there have got to be a appropriate lighting, the appropriate food, uh, water, chairs, accommodation, uh, and so forth in, in a waiting area. Because again, if you have a, a facility that feels absolutely neglected and c- completely poorly managed, uh, then that, that tends to also uh, to, to be to encourage uh, uh, misbehaviour and so forth. So there, there's a, a, a whole range, a whole host of solutions that, that are available and that work elsewhere. And it's yeah. really important that people in, who are running hospitals and GP surgery look to p- places for best practice. Yeah. And the problem is when you're in a firefighting situation, which is what we appear to be in pretty much all the time, uh, taking that more strategic view, the global view, the stand back a bit view is harder to do. Yeah, it's 100% right. I mean, the bottom line here, uh, Pat, I mean, we, we must look at it from the point of view of the, of the frustrated patient who is understandably frustrated uh, or upset or see, look, looking at their loved one who are, who's very upset and so forth. But it, conversely, we must also realise that many of the staff, sadly, now really sadly, uh, are, are brutalised by the conditions in which they're working and brutalised by the shortages of, of colleagues. <clears throat> so unfortunately, uh, you know, a burnout and, 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 and brutalisation of the staff <clears throat> is a feature. Yeah, you and I have <clears throat> talked before about that loss of empathy, which uh, happens when people are overworked. ...need to come in and understand that shortages of staff lead, to, lead, lead directly or, or indirectly to, to this problem. Dr. Chris Luke, a columnist with the Irish Medical Times, retired consultant in emergency medicine, and Dr. James Thorpe, Deputy Medical Director at the Medical Protection Society of Ireland, which uh, conducted that survey. Uh, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.